0: How many people are here for the first time? Just could you please raise your hands? Okay, quite a few. While sitting here, I uh, couldn't help but reflect on this occasion of kind of an extension of the Christian-Buddhist dialogue, and that's how this retreat actually, the idea for it, uh, developed. I was visiting Father Theophane at Spencer Abbey with some friends, all of whom um, brought up as Christians, or practicing Christians. And there's a lot of, uh, an increasing amount of interest in Christian-Buddhist dialogue uh, in various parts of the country, um, often around meditation, the part that meditation can play in any spiritual practice of whatever uh, sect or religious interest. And the idea came up of moving beyond Christian-Buddhist dialogue Uh, to the actual doing of some of these things. Uh, The dialogue being important, not that it's outmoded. But at a certain point, uh, it's necessary to stop talking. And if there is something of value in the Buddhist tradition that can be useful, then let's do it. Let's try it. And that's how the idea for this retreat came up. Since then, and that idea was uh, about a year ago, Various sources also moving in that direction, the Dalai Lama has uh, in a number of public talks and in one of his books, has uh, made a strong plea for the various religions uh, to really work together to share what they know that is each religion a uh, learning from the other in the Buddhist tradition. Meditation is highly developed and it 's been protected and preserved for thousands of years and so that's one distinctive contribution that that, this particular tradition can make. The Dalai Lama mentioned how Buddhists have a lot to learn from Christians, especially in in the area of action, compassionate action. People like Mother Teresa and others not as well known. And so here we are. And as I was sitting here, I couldn't help but reflect with some amusement uh, at the, the strange way in which the Spirit blows. Uh, here am I, my, uh, born of a mother who was an Orthodox Jew. Uh, my father uh, comes from a long line of rabbis who then became Marxists, atheists. And I grew up in that. And somewhere along the way, it took a wrong turn, and here I am, been practicing Buddhism for about 15 years, and I haven't the slightest idea how I wound up here, but here we are, and there's Father Theophane sitting there, and well, he has robes on. <laughs> um, and my first thought was how strange this is in, in this modern world. It's, the planet's becoming very small, and the global human family is uh, emerging in certain ways. remember a rabbi asking me. He didn't ask me, he told me. He <laughs> said, uh, if God intended you to be doing all this uh, oriental stuff, he wouldn't have had you be born out of a, a Jewish mother and a Jewish father in New York City. And I reflected on that. It sounded right. You know, it still sounds right. (laughs) (laughs) But I feel really comfortable and have been very comfortable in various monasteries in the East and here. Uh, And for me personally, it has been finding my home. Not defining it in opposition to my own Jewish background, but just as a a mode of expression, uh, which has been very useful for me. And so this weekend is in that spirit, I think, of all of us uh, learning from each other. And this particular weekend, uh, what the Buddhists have to offer, one thing that, that is clearly of some value for some people, is this meditation, insight meditation, Vipassana. It's going on in other parts of the world as well. I have a friend who teaches in Rome, and uh, his groups there now are attended by many Catholic nuns and priests, who often have a highly developed prayer life, and take to the uh, Vipassana meditation immediately. Really, uh, there's a transfer and there's a lot of overlap. If if any of you uh, come from backgrounds like that, you'll see that it's not going to be so totally new. It may not be new at all. So there are some practical things that Buddhists have developed over the centuries that I hope is useful for many of us here over the weekend. Um, Driving up here, one problem that I saw, I don't know if it would be a problem, I hope not for you, but it might be. So I thought it might be of some value to mention it. On the level of content, the dialogue between the Buddhist teachings and the Christian teachings, both of which are quite profound and comprehensive, is fascinating. and We could talk into the night and into the morning, and of course this has been done and does go on. And yet what's called for here is just really another standard Vipassana meditation retreat where there's very little talking and so I hope if some of you are enthusiastic about all that could be said in comparing and seeing differences and likenesses, that you can let all that go for a while. Uh, there will be opportunities tomorrow and then again Sunday to have uh, dialogue with Father Theophane to speak specifically about any questions that may come up about this uh, relationship between the practice that we'll be doing here and what you've brought here. If you have a uh, Christian spiritual practice or for those of you who are new to Vipassana, silence is a a major part of what we'll be learning. How to uh, exist in a quiet world. And as that happens, of course, our own inner world becomes much more available to us as we simplify the outer world. Tonight we'll begin the meditation instructions in a few moments. And I'll assume that uh, many of you do not know those instructions at all. I see some familiar faces. You will have to hear uh, these instructions again. And then we'll actually practice the sitting meditation. And then I hope get a good early evening's rest so that you can get up tomorrow morning feeling fresh. Before we do that, perhaps Father Theophan can say a few words.
1: Sound trite to say it's nice to be here. It really is. And I hope that the newcomers, we have about 50 new students here, will come to love this room as much as I do. I really love this room. Um, It might interest you to know that I'm into this work at the request of the Vatican. (laughs) <laughs> um, I don't know that's threatening or reassuring. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but um, under um, Pope Paul VI, they were having dialogues with all the religions and not too much success with the dialogue with Hinduism and Buddhism. So someone had the bright idea over there that uh, the monks would be the ones to call in. And that the monks would understand them better, and they they might appreciate the monks. So here I am. I had been into it before that. I I was I'd been working with Suzaki Roshi for fifteen years or so, and then I had um, had contact with this place. I made retreats under uh, a number of the Vipassana teachers. So I volunteered to take a year away from my monastery. The monastery is nearby here. It's St. Joseph's Abbey over in Spencer. It's about 20 minutes away. Uh, I went to the abbot and, and volunteered to take a, a year's sabbatical to learn the Buddhist meditation. And I, I felt that that was, would be a good monk's way to do it. Not so much uh, talking dialogue or study, but to draw near to them by learning their meditation. So... He agreed to that, and, and in that year, I, I attended what I think was the first three-month retreat here 1977. And then I worked with Sasaki out in California. So, um, since then, I, I've taken uh, Tibetan monks around to visit the Catholic monasteries in this country for five months last year and, and about three months the year before. That grew out of a a lunch we had here with the Dalai Lama. My abbot and I were invited, and and we ultimately worked out this um, exchange program where one of their masters, a Geshe, and two of the other monks came, and the year before, another monk. And we stayed two or three weeks in each monastery throughout the country. when um, th- these th- these monks said uh, they're they're from the Dalai Lama's own monastery, but they never had lunch with them. and that was one of my jokes that I, I had lunch with. Them. <laughs> That's why you call name dropping. Uh, doubtless, the uh, Dalai Lama's going around the world telling people he had lunch with Theophane. <laughs> one of my ambitions for this retreat a a fantasy has been in my head for several months was to sit you all in a circle Um, but we have something better we have a big crowd we have uh, 120 people in the room at the moment so you wouldn't fit too well in any kind of circle but that was my image was that um, that's what Christ would like we sit in a circle uh, as equals and respectfully sitting there in silence. Um, I still think it's a good idea, but possibly we've got something better here where we have this big crowd. And uh, my recommendation at the beginning, before Larry begins the instructions on the meditation, is that we. Accept that that we are in this together. To accept everybody in the room. To accept every group in the room. Um, so I come providentially as a as one of the problems. You know, I'm a Catholic priest, and the Catholic Church is a problem for a lot of people. It's a problem for Jewish people. It's a problem for women nowadays. It's a problem for married people. It's a problem for uh, young uh, Catholic people. Um, it's quite a problem. And so if you can... <laughs> if in this... Actually, I'm embarrassed to be a Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very apologetic to him. <laughs> But I'm also proud of it. It's, um, the religious traditions are, are special gifts. Each one has its own gift. It's got its limitations, but it's got something to offer. The Dalai Lama sees that. And, and uh, I certainly see it in, the, in Buddhism. Um, but I um, maybe if I, as I sit here, if the Catholic Church is a problem, well, see what you can do during the week. We you uh, have a saying in Zen Buddhism if you meet the Buddha slay the Buddha and I, I've often wondered why we don't have that in our tradition if you meet the Christ slay the Christ when the Christ becomes a problem when the Buddha becomes a problem when he's outside when he keeps you small when he takes away your liberty you slay him and What about Christ? It becomes a problem for a lot of people. Maybe in some way you want to slay him. Or at least you can slay the Pope. You can do that. <laughs> but um, we're all in this together. And it's a very beautiful thing that we have here today. It couldn't have happened ten years ago. As Larry says, we don't want to get into this uh kind of dialogue, a churchy kind of dialogue. But there's a wounding inside so many of us. We've been wounded by our own tradition. We've been wounded by some other tradition. The the Buddhist tradition hasn't bothered us that much because it's up until now it's been way over there somewhere. Uh, But the Christian tradition is something else. Um, And so we address ourselves to that wounding and hopefully the there will be a healing in the silence here. Silence is kind of the monk's thing, is my thing. The Trappist monks thing, really grew up in silence, so I, I want to honor that and urge you to honor it. Really take it seriously. But before we enter into that silence, which involves not not looking at people, you know, not reading, not smiling at people, um, may I recommend that we feel the presence of everyone in the room uh, and to the extent that you can accept that presence be glad to be with them and not simply alone uh, by way of mindfulness you might notice your your tendency to separate and wish certain ones weren't here or certain groups or to judge well, observe that. Um, and before we enter into the silence, may I may I uh, suggest you do me a favor and reach out and shake the hand of the one next to you and the one behind you and the one in front of you. Barbara. Hi. For many of you, this will be an ordeal, but you'll be happier for it. have
0: <laughs> been sitting for a while already, and we'll be sitting for another period of time. I think it would be helpful to just stand up and do whatever feels natural for you. Shake or stretch or bend, just for a few moments, and then we'll begin to sit again. There'll be a variety of meditation instructions. But in all of them, we'll be staying very close to things at hand. Just the ordinary things that are going on in the process of living. Just whatever is at hand, whatever we've brought with us on this weekend. And one very good way to begin, it's been used for thousands of years, is begin to notice that at this moment, each one of us is breathing. Just that very simple and basic fact. Each one of us is alive, which means we're breathing. Just bring a very simple attention to that fundamental human process. As the lungs fill up, and then the lungs empty themselves without any effort needed by us. It's a very natural process. And for the moment, don't fixate or fix your attention on any particular aspect of the breath. But simply notice where you're experiencing the breath. Clearly, there's impact around the nose and you can feel the abdomen moving. Perhaps you're experiencing some stirrings in the area of the chest. But for a few minutes, just have an openness to the process of breathing without the need to locate your attention in any place in particular. It's helpful if the head and neck and back are in one straight line. A quick scan of the body to see if there's any tension. Very often, especially since many of you are beginning, There may be some striving or some nervousness or anxiety about a new activity that you're embarking upon. Sometimes this tension is at the jaw or the shoulders. Often just a moment's noticing of the tension is enough to dissolve it. And so we're beginning to learn to sit in an upright and comfortable posture. The posture is mastered when we're both stable and comfortable. And that can be learned and it takes time. and We're beginning tonight for many of us. So we're sitting in an upright position, relaxed, alert, noticing that we're breathing. while we're observing the breath. Many other things are going on at the same time. Thoughts and images may be floating through the mind. There may be the sound of people moving in the room, coughing, sensations in the body, anything really. Don't try to stamp that out allow that to just come and go, but the breath is featured. However, perhaps you have noticed already that from time to time the mind seems to have a mind of its own. And even though you've heard the instructions to be with the breath, suddenly there you are, planning something or worrying about something, concerned about the body, and not being with the breath at all. As soon as you notice that, you notice that your attention is not with the breathing but is elsewhere, very gently, smoothly, without there being any force or hurry, ease back to the flow of the in-breath and the out-breath. giving great care and attention to each in-breath and each out-breath. Past few moments, we've been becoming more familiar with the basic fact that each one of us is breathing. And now, from that general sense of breathing, reflect on. Whether you're more attracted to the breath at the area of the nostrils or at the abdomen, there's a motion at the abdomen, a kind of rising and falling or surging of the abdomen, bodily sensations there. If you feel more drawn to that, then select that as your primary object of attention and then please stay with that. We've discovered from experience that some people are much more attracted to the breath at the nose, just naturally. It's more appealing, more interesting to you. If that's so, then bring awareness to the experience of the sensations, which happen in and around the nostrils as air comes in and out. If it seems equal to you and doesn't matter, then pick either. It really is not so much imp- uh, important as to what you select as your primary object of attention, but to have that primary object as a, a stable anchoring point. To begin to help the mind settle down, calm itself, And so, with attention at either the abdomen or the nose, the instructions remain the same. Being with the breathing there, noticing if our attention has moved from this primary object of attention, if it has, very gracefully easing back. As many times as the mind moves from the breath, that many times come back. The coming back is the practice at this point. It's not to be viewed as failure or weakness. If you didn't need to come back, you probably wouldn't need to be here. giving great care and attention to each in-breath and each out-breath. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you. Allowing the breath to flow naturally, not attempting to control it in any way whatsoever. Simply breathing and knowing that we're breathing. We'll be getting up at 5.30 tomorrow morning. Many of you have come a long way. Perhaps you're not used to getting up that early. So I would encourage you to get a good night's rest. Before we leave the hall, are a few, a few remarks on another aspect of Vipassana meditation. very important one that we can develop all weekend long. If you think of Buddhist meditation, it's only obvious and natural that we think of a solitary figure in a seated posture, much like the Buddha form on the altar, or the Buddha forms that you've seen in museums, or in art books, or religious books. A serene figure in contemplation. But Vipassana meditation is meant to be done in all postures. Sitting, of course, as we just did. Standing, walking, lying down. In short, it's really a way of living. The same care and attention that we've been uh, learning to bring to the breath in these past few minutes that quality of attention can be directed to the small activities that make up our day. For those of you who are really new, and that's perhaps more than half of you, it's very easy to get fixed in the idea that meditation is just the sitting. You don't see statues of the Buddha vacuuming or cutting vegetables or dressing or going to the bathroom. So please, right from the beginning, form an attitude that's open to your entire life. It's a way of living. For example, as we're about to leave the hall, bring care and attention to your body. Notice how you arrange your cushion how you raise your body up and as you move the body from the hall to whoever is next, perhaps getting a cup of tea or going to your room to rest, getting undressed. It's a very simple life that we have here for the next few days. Some things can be slowed down. Use your judgment. If there's a long line of people to wash dishes or for any other activity, then of course keep it at a natural pace but perhaps in undressing or dressing, you might want to slow it down just a little bit. Not that the slowness is any more sacred or spiritual than any other speed, but simply that it can facilitate mindfulness. It can help you to develop this ability to attend to what we're doing in each moment. To be aware of what we're doing as we do it. And so, we'll be encouraging you during the weekend to not only stay alert, following the instructions in the sitting posture, but to bring that same quality of attention and interest to eating, to walking, to cutting the vegetables, if that's your job. Really nothing left out. You have very little else to do here, if you've noticed, if you heard the instructions. Everything's been taken away. You can't write or make telephone calls, can't read, can't talk to each other, you're not even uh, encouraged to look at each other. Well, my goodness, what's left? Just each one of us. And it's a rather unusual quality of these meditation groups in that we're alone and together at the same time. Those words don't really do it justice, but we'll be moving together, and also it's a large group of people, over a hundred, and so we have to attend. To each other so that things get done. But within those limitations, pre, please try to stay alert. And as soon as you notice that you've been daydreaming or wandering away, just as you've been doing with the breath, just wake up and begin again. Bring your attention to where you are right there in that moment. And this practice, from that point of view, is constantly beginning again. Lifetime beginner. Okay, thank you for your cooperation and willingness to sit still for so long. Um, you can all leave the hall and uh, I would encourage you to get a good night's rest. Now some of you are more experienced at Vipassana meditation. I've uh, been here a few times and please feel free to come back to the hall or to continue sitting right now. Use your own judgment. We'll see you tomorrow. If you are waking at 5.30, please try to come to the hall at 6 o'clock promptly. Okay.
1: Thank you for listening.